So music by Jack Jaegerlein. That's our winner of the intro competition. So way to go, Jack. Actually, former student of Caleb and I. So way to go, Jack. Thanks a lot. And um, yeah, everything you write is always, always excellent. And judges did not know names. I knew names, but I didn't vote. Uh, some other honorable mentions, I want to say we had uh, Will Alderman. We liked his also. Here's it. Also, Shane Roderick got a bunch of votes. Here's Shane's. And also, Dimitrios Angelakis, thank you very much for yours as well. So if you agree with our vote, great. If you don't agree with our vote, write in to Caleb. He is um, he takes the complaints. Uh, huge thanks to our patrons for supporting that contest and for the prize money and that sort of thing. So yeah, everybody, welcome to season three. And uh, Caleb, your show. That's right, my no. Um, yeah, thanks, Casey, so much for for putting that together, and thanks for everybody that entered. Um, yeah, wow, season three. So this is episode 322. I feel like we should probably address the elephant in the room that season one was like 200 episodes long. Season two was like 110. And now we're in season three. So the seasons change when we want them to change. We're not, right. yeah, we don't bend to the audience. No, we'll change when we want to change, when we're ready. Um, well, hey, welcome, welcome back. Um, it's been a while. So, hey, uh, I'll just throw it over to Ben. How's it going, buddy? How was your summer? Anything hey, good going on? It's been good. Yeah, I've just been practicing a whole lot. It's nice. Cool, cool. Hey, Ksenia, do you do anything lately? You've been in any, like, local newspapers or any, like, things like that? <laughs> I, yeah, I was born under a very lucky star, and uh, I, my face somehow ended up in the wall street journal but caleb i'm more interested in what you've been doing this summer because you and i have been sort of commiserating uh you've been writing some big works haven't you oh something like that yeah we got some got some big music coming out in the next year so that's fun yeah some good premieres and some good uh some good solo stuff and yeah and hey yeah if See, if you need good literature, see you pick up Etudes Volume 2. Look at all these extras. We got stock for days, so buy one for yourself, your mom, grandma, grandpa, uncle, sister, cousin. Yeah. Good choice uh, on the, the cover color. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, came, it came out pretty nice. Um, Cool. And then, of course, that was Carly. What's hey. been up, Carly? Well, you asked uh, Ben how summer's been, and summer feels like so long ago. The leaves here are changing color. There's like a few on the ground. I'm not ready for fall, but here we are. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Summer was summer went by quick, but yeah, it feels like it was like a lifetime ago. 
Um, well, hey, yeah, welcome to season three. We all had a, a good summer, it seems like, for the most part, minus a couple of things, you know, that happened here and there. Um, but yeah, say this episode is releasing on September 15th, Thursday, September 15th. Um, and this is a short history, but I think it's pretty cool. Uh, if you don't know, September 15th is the start of National Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, it goes September 15th to October 15th, which is kind of strange because, you know, it's the middle of the month to the middle of the month, but that's cool. Um, so I figured I'd talk about a, a uh, percussionist who isn't as uh, technically popular as, ah, uh, no quiz today. Dang it. Um, well, maybe we'll see what happens. Um isn't technically as popular as, you know, some of the other big names, but it's probably more well-known. Um, and if you don't know who it is, you got some splaining to do. Josh, mom, got it. Okay. Uh, it's Desi Arnaz, also known as Ricky Ricardo from I Love Lucy. He, he would always be with Lucy. You got some splaining to do. Um, but yeah, I figured I'd talk a little bit about him because he actually did uh, I kind of would pair him like Ringo Starr is for a drum set. Like Ringo wasn't the best drummer, even in the Beatles, but he was by far had the most influence because of his presence on TV and internationally. And uh, Desi Arnaz kind of did the same. So his original name, uh, I, I'll i try not to butcher the first one, uh, Desiderio Alberto uh, Arnaz Ide Atra II. But he went by Desi Arnaz a little quicker. Uh, lived 1917 to 86 and follows somewhat in the, yeah, like I said, the same circle as Ringo Starr, where they had a ton of influence on TV. Uh, his family actually fled Cuba during the political revolutions in the 30s. Uh, not a not a low income family. I think sometimes people associate that, but his family was very well off. But uh, they came to Miami when he was a teenager. He started playing in a local hotel band. And then from there, he got picked up by little things here and there, went to New York, came back, figured, okay, it's time to start my own group. So he started a group that was billed as the only Cuban band in town. Not like it's the only one, but like, this is the only one that matters. We're the only Cuban band. He was the only Cuban person in the band. Uh, the rest were... A Spanish man, two Italians, and two Jewish men. So, uh, yeah, not quite the only Cuban band in town. Uh, he threw it together, and he was the only person with much Latin music experience. So, as you can tell, his first gig went so bad, they were about to fire on mid-show. And so Desi started working his stage magic, and he basically brought the one, two, three kick conga line to Miami, Granted, it was already here. It was, you know, going around, but he really took it from this one little thing and made it, you know, into the popular thing. You see old drunk white people do at weddings now. Um, so, you know, what I'm talking about. But yeah, uh, while his music, you know, wasn't the best, um, the shtick really helped uh, kick that dance into popularity. And then from there, he kind of became a big name and that with his family's money. Uh, he started I Love Lucy when he uh, met Lucille Ball and, you know, it kind of blossomed from there. And if you've never seen I Love Lucy, he played Ricky Ricardo, who was a, a conga player and a band leader uh, on that show. And yeah, 
you know, that was probably for me, that was the first time I remember seeing like hand percussion is watching, you know, my grandparents watching I Love Lucy and seeing like, hey, what's that? That thing he's got hanging off his neck. But yeah, uh, not not the most in-depth. His musical history is pretty short. The rest of it kind of goes into showbiz and some scandals and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, very big impact overall. So that is our history for today. But yeah, it is National Hispanic Heritage Month starting today, if you're listening to the new episode. So I think... You're going to tease that there were scandals, but not tell us what the scandals were. Shame on you. <laughs> You're a scandal. Yeah. I think it well, was, uh, there were like me. some marital issues, right? And yeah, there, there was some. Offenses involved. Yeah, there was some. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Anyway. You know, <laughs> everything you would picture from a marriage in, in the 50s, you know, the, in that kind of high society and issues. So I will say, though, I did read that um, even though they had to do some to appease the the overheads at whoever ran that uh, TV channel, um, they tried to stay away from caricatures as much as they could. And they got it down to where the only person that made fun of Ricky Ricardo's accent was his wife. They had no other people make those kind of jokes. Um, yeah. Well, I just I just had a, a very short, brief historical note. Um, I wanted to mention we're recording this on September 5th. Uh, September 2nd was recording legend Emil Richards' birthday, who felt was on like every TV and film soundtrack of all time. Uh, he passed away in 2019. And today, September 5th, is John Cage's 110th birthday. He was born in 1912. So happy birthday to both of those percussion legends. I'm just going to drop here. Here, I'll do this. Okay, that was a great four minutes and 33 seconds of silence. And now I'll just drop it in and, and post and we'll have we'll have the silence there. I'm sure no one will stop listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to start again. It's like the Borat thing, Vincent. Well, hey, we'll kind of dive into it again. First guest, season three. This is fun. So our guest today is Joshua Vonderheide. Welcome, Josh. Um, if you don't know him, you've probably seen his name pop up. And maybe even more, you've probably seen the Percussion Conservatory pop up, of which he is the founder. Um, and that's not, you know any percussion conservatory is an online program and uh thing he's going to talk to us today and he is also the former sub-principal with the malaysian philharmonic and uh he went to a little school called uh juilliard huh. it's probably a pretty good pretty good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh no welcome josh man how's it going Thank you so much for having me, Caleb. It's going great. And it's a big honor to be here. Um, when I got the invitation, I immediate, I just auto yesed um, because what you guys have been doing has been really cool and you've been doing it a long time. Um, so I'm just happy to be here. And uh, yeah, it's been a great Labor Day. It's been a great day off today. Yeah, yeah, same here. Um, I didn't labor at all today. <laughs> um, I just think is the point, but. Hey, so kind of just jumping into it, um, for anybody that might not know you or your background as much, can you kind of give us the, um, you know, the elevator summary of, you know, where are you now and what are you doing as far as, you know, your general work and creative endeavors with Percussion, con percussion Conservatory and everything? Yeah, so as you mentioned, um, up until very recently, I was living in Malaysia, playing for the Malaysian Philharmonic, and during the entire pandemic 
experience that the world all went through together. Uh, there were a lot of changes in that orchestra and in sort of how I was seeing percussion, how I saw myself in the community. And I decided to not renew my contract as I was launching this company. And I lived in Malaysia for about six months after that as I was kind of continuing to build out the company and code the website and stuff. Um, but when things looked like it could be a real thing and my wife and I recently got married in March, uh, it just felt like the right time to give this a shot back in the States. So I moved to Houston, Texas, specifically here. Uh, this is Missouri City or Sugar Land area is the name of the place I live. And I have been, as you said, the like CEO of this company, and I'm really giving it a, a full go with all my efforts. And that has been the best decision I ever made. It's just an extremely fulfilling role to play. Um, and my sort of day-to-day -day looks like what we're doing right now. I do a lot of Zoom calls. I do a lot of talking with artists and other incredible percussionists in the community. And it's our goal to sort of get as much information about technical skill and career building as possible all into one place in a lot of different formats uh, and to get it out and make it more accessible for more percussionists around the world. So if I said we had a, like a vision or a mission, it would be to give more people access to a career in percussion who want one. So I have a quick question. I, yeah. Like it's such a it's such a big idea, and I think that a lot of people at certain points in their careers or education have big ideas. Like, wow, it would be really cool to do this someday, and then most of them don't happen. So, mm. what was it? What was the process like? Was was there like an impetus of like I'm just I'm gonna do this? And maybe what advice do you have any for anybody that has a big idea and wants to make it happen instead of just evaporating? Yeah, my wife once told me, her name is Jenny. So Jenny once told me, um, if you really want to make gains in the gym, there's only one rule. You just have to go every day. That was her one rule for me. She just said, just go every single day. And I think with entrepreneurship, it's the exact same philosophy. It's that the reason things don't happen is because we don't prioritize them. We don't just stick with them and do them every single day. And just like any other skill, entrepreneurship is a skill. It's something that is not natural to almost anyone on the planet. It's a completely different set of challenges than we learn in music school. And especially like if you went to school in the American school system, there's not always a lot of opportunities to learn about what it means to be an entrepreneur and all the skills that it would take to do such a thing. Um, but I would say if you have a great big idea, it's usually a lot less scary than you think, and you should just start. And if you fall on your face, it doesn't really matter because most of us who are trying to do this are like crazy young. Like if you're under the age of 40 <laughs> and you have a great idea, you should just do that immediately um, because you could fail at it for five years straight and have nothing at the end of it and wake up and be 45 years old and you're still younger than like when Morgan Freeman started his successful acting career, you know. Um, so just go and give it a shot. And there's so many tools these days like website builders and email marketing machines. And I mean, there's software for everything. So you don't really have to even learn how to code. Um, but that would be my only other tip is that if you have a really, really big idea and you want to make it happen, 
either talk to a developer or learn how to do a bit of coding and you're going to reap the benefits of that right away. And it's all online for free. You can just teach yourself on YouTube. So you've played in a professional orchestra, which is a dream for so many young people. And usually when there are such elbow curves um, in one's career, um, you it means that you're really gutsy, that you really <laughs> believe in yourself, that you have big dreams. But also what I think uh, might happen a lot of times is um, the f what sort of what happens after happily ever after? What happens once you achieve this dream and you win this job and then you realize it's not all it's cracked up to be or maybe it's not all you've ever wanted out of your life? So I'm wondering um, with this decision that you've made, you know, to leave your job, were there any other influences to making this decision? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a long story. Um, the short version of it is just that there were major uh, faux pas made by the management team, and some of them were their own fault, and some of them were not their own fault. Some of it just had to do with the pandemic, and their hands were tied. But it's a bit specific to the Malaysian Philharmonic that they're run by the state, really. The, all of the funding comes from Patronus, which is the national oil company of Malaysia, and they said, hey, you know, budget cuts and hey, this and hey, that. And there were a lot of things that just changed. And so a lot of people uh, were just let go based on their nationality. So if you weren't Malaysian, you were just fired with no other, no other explanation. Just thank you very much for your service. We will not be renewing your contract. You're gone just because you're from Brazil. So that was like a major hatchet. You know, a lot of people got let go. I was one of the ones who was lucky uh, because I was still offered a contract because a position above me became available uh, when the principal percussionist in our orchestra took another position. So I could have gone up and, and sort of retained my position, but it was just with everything that was happening in the orchestra and some other details that are just too unfortunate to share in this setting. Um, I just didn't have faith that I might not that they might not do the same thing again, and so this and and the Malaysian Philharmonic was not the only organization that this happened to. We've seen right in our own home state of Texas here that there were you know major major issues going on with the you know dissolution of the San Antonio Symphony that is now hopefully I see have risen like a phoenix I think into you know a new group which is extremely exciting, but there's just massive changes going on so. When I was looking at all those changes, I just felt like, you know, my parents had always been music educators. Uh, they were music educators their entire life. I've been around music education a long time. My heart is in it. I was watching a lot of friends um, suffering under, you know, massive student loans, and now their 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 gigs had dried up. And there, were, I just felt like there was this sort of dark cloud and I wanted to do something like you said before really really big so one of the very first things that I knew had to be a part of the platform was to start a scholarship so really what I was thinking is when this all went down was what happens when this happens to other people when they say you know what I just don't want to do this orchestra job anymore and they're sitting with $150,000 of loans over their head that shouldn't happen. And so the very first thing I thought was we should start some sort of amazing community driven scholarship program. And that was where this all got started. I was like, what could we do to have a massive scholarship program? And it just snowballed from there of 
asking other artists what should we do, getting people involved, doing classes for free, and then classes for pay what you can, and then it just continued to grow and grow until we had sort of a real platform under our feet, and that's when I sort of linked up with Stephen Keener, and we put together a massive curriculum uh, of classes, and we launched our studio program, and that's basically our, our first big flagship project and the thing that has been moving us forward that we can all sail forth with high sales. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that, no, that's great. Um, yeah, it reminds me of what you said, you just kind of go for it. It reminds me of my dad who his job now is like making signs and stuff for big companies. And he's it's just him and my stepmom pretty much. But I'm pretty sure he just woke up one day and was like, hey, what might be a profitable thing that they don't have around here? Oh, well, there's nobody making signs. I guess I'll just learn how to do that. <laughs> And he went and yeah. took out a loan and learned a little bit and then just figured it out. And now he's doing fine with it. Um, yeah. So. I mean, there's, it's a, the world we live in today is a world of abundance. Absolutely. And the, the internet makes everything possible. I'm just a huge believer of, you know, the, the grind and the hustle and the work to make it happen. And I'm also a big fan of knowing because I've been on the other side of the world and I've seen it that we're just extremely lucky in the United States to have access to as many things that we do. It doesn't happen everywhere in the world. And so um, this idea that we can use the internet to, to just have that be a tool to bring the best possible information to everyone and have access you know, at a price point that's available to nearly everyone. Um, you know, If you can buy sticks and mallets, if, if that's something that you can afford, you can definitely afford the percussion conservatory is kind of how I was thinking of it. It's like a cup of coffee a week you know, for us in, here in the America. So I, uh, that's been a huge driving factor for me is just the access um, and, and this educational mission. Yeah, one thing I love that you said is like you can get YouTube certified on anything. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was almost going to ask, like, where'd you learn how to like, you know, use Final Cut or how to build a website? It's like, yeah, it's, it's all on YouTube and literally anything. <laughs> yeah, I never took a formal course in anything that I'm doing. I took uh, while I was at Juilliard, I took one class or maybe two in entrepreneurship with uh, Dr. Ben Sosland and that was it. You know, he was, and basically he said the same thing. He's like, you have an idea. The goal of this class is to do a project. And at the end of the semester, you'll have a project and then you can look back at it and say, you did that. And that was it. That was my formal training was like this one class. So, uh, you know, go online, man. I think you can do, you can do like a whole MBA now basically for free, you know, if you look into the right resources. So there's, there's incredible stuff available to all of us. If you don't know, you can also learn how to turn yourself into like an anime character on your computer screen with your mouth. <laughs> Sorry, I had to I had to plug that. It took I spent like 15 minutes of work learning how to do that the other day. So so I've been I've been just sharing it. Around. I want to see that. Do you have it? Can you like screen share you as an anime character? I want to see it. Uh, I'll ask I'll ask the next question, then I'll see if I can't pull it up. <laughs> okay. It'll be good. Um, so for anybody that might not be like totally in the know, like what yeah. all is included within the percussionconservatory.com? Like once you dive into it, what are you signing up for? So we have a few different memberships that are available, but the whole right now, the whole platform is split up into a few different major parts. The first flagship program that I mentioned is live masterclasses. So we do a masterclass nearly every single week, usually Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. 
um, with some sort of artist, faculty artist, who is a percussionist, who has what I would deem to be an incredible career in percussion. They're either associated with a major university and they're teaching there, or they have an orchestra career that's very glamorous, or they have, you know, beaten all the odds and they're playing every hand drum known to man in New York City, Mr. Jeremy Smith. Uh, you know, they're doing something that just was like, wow, other people probably want to do that too. Let's have you on the platform and teach what you're very best at. And then also give everyone who shows up access to be able to ask you questions about your career or about what you just performed or about um, anything really. So we have a Q&A at the end of every session. So that program is really designed around community. It's really designed around bringing people into the classical percussion community uh, who might otherwise not have access to it, especially if you live in a country that, you know, the cost of the flight is already, that makes it inaccessible for you to study with a lot of our artists. So this is a very cool part of the platform. That's our studio program. There's also the repertoire by Will James, and that is 169 orchestral percussion videos. So if you want to have an orchestra career, you got to watch that these days. Like, I, I'm, I'm just bullish on it. I watched it, and I just in, in instantly leveled up, like, on every instrument. It's wild. And he recorded everything in Powell Hall. Um, he's at the top of his game. It took him four years, I think, to finish the whole project. I mean, he put his life and blood and soul into that project, and it's incredible. So we translated it out into a bunch of different languages so that people all, all over the world can watch it. And it's very, very useful for not only learning the materials for orchestral auditions, but also understanding what a panel of people might be listening for, because those two things can be very different. And in fact, we even just had a class in our studio program by Matt Strauss, where he talked about the difference between behind the screen and in the orchestra. And it was very illuminating. It was a very fun class. Um, that one's going up in our archive like by tonight or tomorrow, which is cool. Um, and then we also have, uh, no matter which membership, you get our practice tracks. So the practice tracks are live orchestra recordings that I have time edited. So you're listening to an orchestra, a live orchestra, playing the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Usually when you're listening to it, it's very not in time because that's not necessary when you're at an orchestra concert. The conductor is conducting, people are feeling the energy. It's not about being with the metronome. But when you're at an audition, especially for your freshman year orchestra placement auditions or something like this, it's very important to show people that you have good rhythm, you have good time, and it's nice to get into the style and the feeling and the character of the piece. So we time edit the orchestra recording so that it's in sync with a metronome, and we put it at different tempos, kind of from medium slow all the way up to full speed, and we provide... Uh, a copy of the music for everything that is educational fair use and you'll have the whole platform of excerpt recordings that you can play along to at your fingertips at any time so that's I'm, our I'm glad practice to hear, tracks. I, I actually saw i think steven posted a video one of those videos on facebook yesterday and i was, I was like is the orchestra perfectly in time with the metronome so no, no. <laughs> yeah so like it's about a hundred time edits per minute is about what i do so like if there's a flute that's late or a trumpet that's early, I fix it so that it sounds all in time. And if the upbeat was supposed to be on and, and it's kind of on 
and and three nanoseconds, then I shift it, right? And so that so it makes us feel really grounded. Now this is a practice tool. This is not how these pieces actually go, but it's very handy for learning the music for an audition. You know, it's not how you're going to exactly play it in the orchestra, but it's a reference tool. And we can also this way build in a cello rondos. So for example, you're always talking about, oh, I need a click track to play the Pines of Rome. Now you have one and it's in the PC practice tracks, right? So this is very cool to have a cello rondos that are already organically built into your practice. Um, and the final thing is that every live class gets recorded, and just like you guys, recorded, professionally edited, sent to a transcription team, and posted on our website. So if you miss a class, don't worry. Every single one of them is recorded. You have them on demand. So that's like, you know, a new class every single week. It's kind of like percussion Netflix or something, right? It's like, please stop scrolling on Instagram if you want a percussion career. Like, please listen to at percussion. Please come to the percussion conservatory. Like, get your mind into percussion and get serious about it because there's a lot of people trying to do it and you, it's competitive, you know? So you have to just get into it. You have to put your heart and soul into it. You have to love what you're doing. There's a lot of people who really love it. Um, and it's now you have an archive of master classes from some of the world's best percussionists talking exactly about what you need to do to get employed. So that's the percussion conservatory in a nutshell. That's amazing. And my, I was just going to make a comment, which is uh, snarky, but I think it's so interesting that you get these hundred people to like pass and not just pass, but be the best in their auditions, you know, mm -hmm. being able to play like they have a metronome that they've swallowed. And then you put them all together in a room and hey, guess what? The yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred people with great time doesn't end up sounding like it has quote unquote great time. Um, so yeah. Yeah, but that's really interesting what you do. I think that's a really cool resource. Yeah. Did you say swallow the metronome? <laughs> yeah, like you swallow the metronome and then you feel it ticking in your chest all the time. Isn't that not how you say it? <laughs> Listen, you were on the Wall Street Journal, but we're gonna have to put a we're gonna have to put a wall somewhere to these analogies. No, I'm gonna use that in a lesson tomorrow, Ksenia. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Swallow a metronome, okay? Yes. Yeah. Sounds like an insult. Why don't you go swallow a metronome? Um, <laughs> well, it is. If you have to say that, then it is, I think. Uh, yeah, that's true. Hey, so <clears throat> you mentioned about Will James and the repertoire. How did that come together? Because it's, far, I mean, we talked to Will a, a ways back. I mean, it's probably two plus years ago at this point. But I think at that time he was on his own. It was like the repertoire was a standalone thing. But now y'all are kind of you have this marriage of it how did that come yeah. about uh, i just fanboyed him like super hard straight up i just went to him and i said yo will like this is the coolest thing ever i've seen it like it's awesome i want to help you get this to more people i'm living in malaysia and people need to see this and they haven't seen it and they need to see it people in korea need to see this people in china need to see this can i help you do that and he said, yeah, sure, because he's already done with it. He was, I mean, why say no, right? Like, no, basically no downside for him. So I, uh, I literally went into the repertoire. I watched every single video, and I typed out word for word in English every single word that he said for the entire repertoire. 
that took a long time, man. That was like a, that was a big project. And so then I sent those, you can make a subtitle file. It's called a .srt file. And I sent all the .srt files to our transcription team and they watched the videos along and they're in this, you know, like on YouTube or Facebook or wherever else you can change the subtitles, right? So we like kind of used AI to, to give them a, a basic, like it's kind of in Chinese or it's kind of in Korean but it's not really very good. And we had people like uh, Jun Han and Samuel Chan and uh, just, a, we had like a, a team of six people, even Wang, uh, all get together and then go word by word and translate it into Chinese, Korean, Spanish. And we have more languages on the way uh, next year, which is exciting. And so that was really the big thing that we added. But the other, um, the other kind of major complaint about the repertoire was just that because it was so massive, it's so expansive, it wasn't easy to search and get around. It wasn't easy to navigate. So we broke it up into sections. Like I kind of rebuilt the organizational delivery system of the repertoire. And so now you can just click, I want to watch cymbals or I want to watch uh, snare drum or I want to watch xylophone. And then you can type in like the excerpt that you want to watch. So you just type in Stravinsky in the xylophone section and Firebird pops up or whatever else, right? So it's just a little bit faster. It's an extra perk. And it's also because it's involved with the percussion conservatory, it's just another resource that you get with our all access pass. So instead of having this be like, it's a $300 lifetime thing, you can have all of the master classes, all of the practice tracks, all of the master class archive and the repertoire. And it's $279 per year. So it's hopefully if you were only ever planning to watch this just like you just want it for one year and you just want to have everything great like now it's even cheaper and you get even more stuff that was sort of our goal and and, and I really just appreciate Will's like generosity and commitment and trust with all of his materials because I think without that on the platform we wouldn't have been able to grow and scale as quickly as we have um, and that resource is just phenomenal. So that really was a, a huge selling point. And obviously the, the languages helped us get into a lot of other countries as well. I mean, you're talking about people translating for you and, and whatnot. Is, is there a lot of like community kind of labor of love situations? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure getting like any business, you know, getting it off the ground is there's some financial investment. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it was, well, first of all, just to say it, um, I pay everyone who works for me. Um, it's not as much as I would like to. That's for sure, 100%. Um, but I try to make it as enticing as possible by like, hey, if you work for me, you also get a free membership. So usually the people who are doing work with us are, they're absolutely percussionists because they have to be percussionists in order to sort of edit percussion-related stuff and to know names of things and dynamics and all, all these musical terms it's just very helpful to have percussionists doing this. So that was also like a kind of a double win that they kind of wanted access to these materials anyway, and now they have access to the materials and they've done a great thing for the community and I'm paying them. So uh, yeah, I mean, one of the amazing things about having that orchestra job was that I was a very frugal person. Um, I was investing and I was saving and I absolutely, yeah, I made an investment and it's a big risk. I mean, I kind of came out of starting the percussion conservatory with, you know, 
zero dollars. <laughs> I, just, I just like, here's everything, you know? I mean, we paid for the Zoom webinar subscription and the website hosting fees and the video hosting fees and the software fees and the, and the, and the, and the, and the, and we pay every single artist who teaches with us. They all have a fee, which is a substantial fee for every single class that we do. Um, so it was a huge risk for me. I mean, I easily could have bought a car with the amount of money that I put into it, but I think that, um, I just am so excited about the potential of the platform long-term and what it's already done. Just like two days ago, we had a, a member win a job. Justin Dote just won Boise Philharmonic. Um, like two weeks before that, Kevin Tan, you know, messaged me, hey man, like I'm subbing with Singapore Symphony this year. Like, thanks. And those moments like are invaluable. Like I get emotional just thinking about it, you know, like that we had an, an impact in someone's life that way. Um, which otherwise wouldn't have happened. So that makes me really happy. Well, Josh, speaking of like entrepreneurship and startup costs, I know this wasn't your first entrepreneurial endeavor, if you will. Um, and I know a lot of people that go down uh, self-driven career paths, if you will, um, have maybe some businesses that flip into a different, uh, you know, change course and maybe some things that fail along the way that they learn lessons from. So could you tell us about your uh, entrepreneurial path and any failures or changes in course you've had? Yeah, so this, uh, I'm like not even going to say the name of it because I'm embarrassed about what this platform originally started as. But I designed an entire website with an entire name and a logo. And I had artists and I did this whole thing and it just flopped because it wasn't, right i didn't I, I hadn't figured it out yet i hadn't figured out the delivery system of the content uh the website was clunky like it didn't it didn't have like a user login experience like i i didn't know what i was doing at all and so six months uh before percussion conservatory i even started building it was another percussion company that i had tried to build that just nothing came of it at all um and that's like that's how it is for everyone, you know? Like, if you're not willing to lose months or even years of time while you're and still... Money. And money. <laughs> and money, yeah, sure. Or, like, just missed opportunity, right? We call that the opportunity cost. Like, what could I have been doing, you know, with all of that time? Um, but it's... You got to earn your stripes. Like, at some point, you got to learn how to do it. If you want to do stuff, you have to just sit there and learn. I mean... I didn't know until like, this is so embarrassing, but like, I didn't know until just maybe a month or two ago that if you hold shift while you hold C in Adobe Premiere, you can cut multiple tracks at once. I've just been like cutting every single track individually for a year and a half. And you know, it's like, and then I learned a shortcut. So now I've accelerated my process. And so it's just this, it's a lifelong learning. You, you don't start at A and end at B. You just go and you wander and you take things from everywhere along the way. It's sort of like, I don't, like picking berries from a bush, you know, and eventually you just have a lot of them in your basket and it looks like, oh, wow, he really must have found a big pile of berries. It's like, no, I found one berry every day for like five years, you know, and so you just, you keep adding those things together. But I would say my pathway um, was really driven by reading books. I read, I, I, there's a wall, like everything that's on that wall behind me is like something that I've thoroughly, thoroughly consumed. Um, and I read books on sales. I read books on marketing. I read books on social media influencing. I read books on, 
how to build a website. I read a book about, it was called When to Jump, uh, which just means like, are you sure you want to do this? You know, <laughs> um, like when are you ready to give up your career and try a new one? And so I would say my pathway for entrepreneurship was really just driven from uh, that curiosity from learning. Um, I, I've been into that since I was a very young man. I really like to learn new things and I pick up new skills fairly quickly. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a good skills. It's a good career choice for me, I guess, because you need a lot of different skills. You know, you don't have to be a plus at anything, but you need to be a minus in like 40 things. So I feel like the last, I know I'm talking a lot, but the last thing I'll say on that is just, um, you know, as percussionists, we're set up to be entrepreneurs. We have to learn marimba and xylophone and snare drum and tambourine and, and, and. And the and just never ends as percussionists. And it's the exact same thing with entrepreneurship. So if it is something you're interested in, just be in touch with me. I'll talk to you about it anytime. I take calls in my truck and I just, you know, boop, I put that thing up there and I talk to people about entrepreneurship. People call me all the time about this stuff um, from all over the country, which is really cool. And I've, I've heard some amazing ideas. I've heard ideas about building djembes and starting djembe companies. And I've, I've talked about publishing stuff. And I've, and I've talked about how I started. There was supposed to be publishing with Percussion Conservatory. And that failed too. Like we still have some stuff on the website that's like just never been sold, unfortunately. Um, but that's part of the process. You know, that's part of uh, learning like where your strengths are and, and what to do. But if you're interested in it and you're already a percussionist, you're, you're halfway there. So just give it a go. I mean, I feel like a lot of people that have things going for them well talk about, yeah, I, I failed or I tripped several times before it, it kind of got going. So yeah, yeah, I totally get you. So, I mean, we've talked a lot about the orchestral world, but it's not, yeah. Of course, the studio section is not just orchestral playing. Can you tell us some about what all is involved with that outside of Colas Brignan? <laughs> What's involved besides Colas? I love that. Oh, man, that's a great soundbite. I'm just so proud of you for saying that. Um, I think um, that we're, I think it's time that I can now sort of publicly say this, that we are building a courses section. And so the courses are a little bit different and this will also be included with your all access pass should you choose to subscribe um, where you can actually watch a course of something much more like what you've seen on udemy or masterclass where there will be videos in order of some skill that you're trying to build and so the idea for the courses section are uh you know let's learn how to play safa and we get someone Who's in, we get Mike Truesdell, or we get Mike Compatello, or we get someone, you know, we get Caleb Pickering, or we get anyone in front of me right now, right? And we, we learn some piece, whatever you guys are the best at. And you guys record that piece, you record a, like a nice professional recording of that piece. But then you make a 10 video series, and you say, these are the things you need to do to play this really well. And here's the history of the piece. Let's get a video from the composer, right? And we're also going to have just basic techniques. So I've been getting a lot of messages from, because we also partner with schools. We sell a, a school subscription, an educational subscription. Um, so like, you know, Baylor University and, uh, you know, SUNY Purchase was just talking with me. Like there's, there's all these schools who are, who are interested in what we're up to, but they kind of all have said the same thing is we also have percussion methods students, right? We have students who want to be educators. They're not necessarily even percussionists, but this would be great to share with them. What about these guys? What do you have for them? 
So this was where the idea for the courses section started is like, here's your 20 part series about how to play Crash Symbols. And we're, we're just going to fill out this courses section with all different types of stuff. So anyone who's listening to this, who is very excited and they've had a passion project, they've had something that they've been thinking about for a long time, they're ready to have a place to put it and have a place to host it for free, please get in touch with us um, because you're going to have the ability to make a course of your very own at the percussion conservatory. So whatever you're interested in, we probably have space for you if it's about classical percussion. That's cool. Anybody else still using David Skidmore from when he was like 22 years old for um, <laughs> for uh, percussion methods examples? <laughs> I'm, still, I'm, still, I'm still using Big Firth 101. <laughs> so many of those videos when we were all online. Did anybody else have to teach percussion methods 100% online? Uh... No, a little bit, like a semester, yeah. Yeah, one semester. Those videos were godsend. Yeah, yeah I, would love, I would love to hear from all of you about, like, what you would like to see. Like, what do you guys want to see on Percussion Conservatory? What's coming next for you? Like, if you, boom, like, Nike says, blue skies thinking. You're in the boardroom, blue skies, everything's perfect. What would happen next for you guys at Percussion Conservatory? Okay, I'll go first. First of all, yeah, it would be awesome if you could somehow build us into your percussion conservatory so we could be holographically there so that my <laughs> boss doesn't have a problem with me just giving the whole like percussion methods class just like here, go at your own leisure. I'm, I'm not there, but I'm there. Um, but besides that, uh, I think that similarly to how you are entrepreneurial about your career, um, I find that there are many aspects of career building that people don't talk about. And so um, anything that has to do with negotiating gigs, getting concerts, you know, but I, I'm looking for more of the actual insider information, less of the make sure that you provide value and those kinds of generic answers. Um, but, you know, maybe it's going to be a soloist uh, path and the chamber musician path and all these things like how can you all how can you obtain instruments? Like, what are all the ways that you can get deals with, um, you know, with companies and so on? Like, I think these things would be super helpful to young people because they don't know where to start. I mean, they only know where they want to end, but they really don't know the insider. And, and by the way, big shout out. You've just reminded me because uh, Mr. Cangelosi and I are both now sponsored by Majestic. So big shout out to them for helping me. These instruments... Um, you know, we're going to be doing a lot of recording here at this space for Percussion Conservatory. So when you're talking about, yeah, sponsorships and stuff like that, it, uh, I, I don't even know. I wouldn't even know where to start. This one was just one where, you know, th they reached out and said, hey, you know, we see you doing a lot of stuff. So I would say, like, the initial advice is just do a bunch of stuff and, like, people just kind of notice. So you're already doing it, right? Like, you're basically doing it right now. Just, like, be around, you know, and do stuff. But there should absolutely be someone like Mr. Casey Cangelosi, who really knows about that sort of thing, because you're all over the place with this, my man. You're like, wow, like so, so much knowledge on that topic. That would be the perfect course. Or also how to be a composer and a percussionist at the same time, right? Like there's a few faces I see in front of me right now who could be doing that. Um, so these are, there's so many courses um, that are possible that we could add to the platform that I think would provide just immense value to a lot of percussionists outside of, I want the orchestra pathway. Well, thanks, Josh. That's uh, that's that's really nice. 
too nice but thank you uh how do you <laughs> how, how do you approach people like like when you say um you know we want you to like your first example like of course on safa and and i guess to answer your question like what do you guys want to see from the percussion conservatory i mean i love that idea i would love to see like a comprehensive lesson from an expert on safa and i think about running this podcast for gosh the last you know seven years or something it's um it's really hard to get and of course we're paying them nothing so that's certainly part of it but <laughs> right how do you get people to bring like a comprehensive um something they put a ton of time and effort into and, and like lay it out and like a, hey i'm gonna give you a lecture on this topic and they're gonna you know they're gonna need to pour like a ton of ton of time and effort and editing into it and i mean we've even had people who like we have a hard time getting them to talk about their own dissertations <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like it's like they've done most of the work and it's still it's still just kind of like oh it just kind of turned into an interview like how do you how do you how do you get people you know beyond that like yeah we're just gonna answer you some questions whatever like how, how do you pull that off you have to set it up in a way that makes sense for them. So people are inherently selfish, and that's not a bad thing. If you're not inherently selfish, you, it's very hard to provide for your family. It's very hard to have good relationships with your friends. It's very hard to take care of your body and your soul. You have to take care of yourself first. And so everyone a little bit has that mindset in their aura all of the time, unless you're Gandhi. And, and even he, like he needed to keep himself alive to do his mission, right? Like everyone is a little bit selfish. So as many possible things as you can take off their plate as possible to make, to make sure they say yes is very beneficial. So we do all of the video editing. We have the Zoom webinar license already. We have a curriculum for them. We suggest what class they will teach. We suggest how they will teach it. We provide the many different times that could be available. We, um, we make sure that 100% of the time there is a, a host who is going to be there to, make, to take care of everything. We don't do um, meetings. We do webinars so that like, no one can be popping up so that there's less distractions. Uh, we provide ample opportunities for them to send pre-recorded materials. So if they feel more comfortable presenting pre-recorded versus live, or if they'd rather present live, we do, we make every possible effort to help them say yes. And then we also, you know, hopefully they've heard a little bit about us and they know that every single dollar that comes through our platform, a percentage is taken out to fund our scholarship. So they feel like they're part of something bigger. And because they are, you know, <laughs> because that's what we're doing. So I think when people have heard about what we've done, um, and it's people I usually, because our community is so small, it's people who know us already, which is very helpful. Um, but even when it's not, we try to find someone to let them know this is a trusted platform. Like we're going to do, we're going to treat you with the respect you deserve, and we're going to make this a seamless experience. That helps them say yes. And even with all that, 70% of people still say no. So you have to ask a lot of people. Um, and you have to just not, um, you know, hello, sir, would you like to buy car insurance? Boop. Okay, next. You know, like, it is what it is. Like, you're going to get a lot of rejections. If you're, uh, if you're the type of person who can't handle someone saying no to you, 
don't choose entrepreneurship probably or percussion you know like that's just it's going to happen all the time and it's not it's not personal you know they they don't hate you they just they don't have time you know they have a lot of things going on with them and so just move on can you kind of walk us through it's all subscription based um yep is is there any perpetual purchases now like a lifetime membership yeah um at the moment, there's not, except you can, buy a, you can buy a lifetime license to the repertoire, which is the same as Will has always offered it for $300. Um, but right now, that's the only perpetual license that exists. Um, but if people are interested in that, send me an email. We'll set that up. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fine. We could absolutely do that. I mean, if, if someone's really committed and they're like, yeah, man, like I want this for the rest of my life, or even for a school, we want this to be a resource that we offer to our school for the rest of our lives, there's no reason why we can't do that. Like there's no technology issue that's hindering us from doing it. Um, it's just something where the access is, it, it's much, much cheaper. <laughs> it's They save a lot of money by doing a yearly as opposed to a lifetime and that's been more successful. Um, so that's why we're, we're doing it that way. But um, it's, and you know, and it's just helpful for building the scholarship to have like, every year people are pitching in. It's not just like a one-time thing, like, hooray, we did this. It's just like, it's a lifelong learning. It's a lifelong, like we're all contributing. We're all trying to build this scholarship. So I'm trying to basically, I've talked about this scholarship a lot today. I'm trying to build a tuition-free scholarship for a student every single year. So this year, the scholarship will be for $2,000. Last year, it was 1,000. So we doubled it, which is exciting. And we're trying to double it every year, which is, really aggressive but i am gonna make it happen i i loved your just back to your like courses idea and you kind of threw out this a piece like safa could you give us any hints if you're able like what other courses or big lectures you have planned um i definitely know that we'll expand upon the repertoire um in terms of like here's not just glockenspiel from Mr. Will James, but here's Glockenspiel from everyone who's ever been a part of our platform. So that's cool because now instead of just saying, this is how Will thinks about this stuff and this is what he did, even though he tried to make it as open-ended as possible, like he didn't make it like, this is the way, he just gave tools for you to do better. Um, I still want as many people as possible to give their opinions who have achieved successful careers in the orchestra. So that is something that we're definitely doing 100%. And then beyond that, um, I can't give away too many hints. No, I'm sorry, unfortunately. But what I would say is if there's something you want to see, just send me an email and I'll put it on my list of things that we'll make. Because for me, this is going to be my life's work. This is what I'm up to. This is what I'm doing. So if it doesn't happen this year, we can make it happen next year. It was very cool, man. I mean, congrats. Like, it's already just so amazing. Like, I feel like I checked in with it, you know, gosh, a, a, several years ago. I was like, oh, this might be me. And now I look back at it like, wow. <laughs> we're, very, very cool. we're working on it hard. Yeah, there's a there's an amazing team of people helping me. Uh, Stephen Keener, Josh Winnick, uh, David Liu, uh, our, my man Trevor, even even my wife Jenny it does a thing or two for me every once in a while here, and that's been she's she's amazing. So everyone's pitching in, um, all our translators, all, of of course all of the artists. I mean, there's just too many people to count. It's not a uh, it's not a Josh mission. It's a community mission, and we're all just working on it together.
So I I'm, I'm happy to get you guys all involved with it at any time. Cool. I have a, I have a fun question because I mean I've I've done enough of my um you know I've had we've had Will James on the show yeah. and I've done Ted Atkat's percussion seminar as the non-orchestral guy and like I've been I've been enough around enough orchestral folks to to uh to get a sense that like hey sometimes Will James says to do Porgy and Bess like this and <laughs> Ted Atkat says to do it like completely different. Do you ever get students like who just come to you because you're I mean you're a great percussionist in your own right. I mean you're you're you know much more than just a, a a business person at the head here i mean you know about this stuff very 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 well if you ever get a percussion that's like hey ted said this and will said that which way do i what do i do it <laughs> we get um questions that i just try to always remember that this person whoever they are might be experiencing whatever they're seeing for the first time. And so, yeah, we get a lot of like, that's the first time you've ever seen that. And sometimes the questions are funny for us who have been around it for so long. Like the, you know, the, I guess the classic trope is what mallets do you use on Porgy? Right? Like, and I knew that that question would come and it did. And it was just like, there it is. You know, like there was our first one and I'm sure it will be the first of many of that question um but yeah we've had all sorts man what else we've had some funny ones um you know is it okay like i think my favorite ones are the ones when people ask me permission to do things so they say mr teacher or like sir would you mind if i practiced the timpani at my home <laughs> and i'm like no no, <laughs> I would not mind. You will not offend me by practicing or like interesting substitutions for things like they clearly this person doesn't have access to, you know, tenor drums or something or, or Tom Toms and like, can I practice my part on pillows? And I'm like, yes, you know, absolutely. Like do whatever it takes, man. That's exactly what we're saying. Um, and I, yeah, I just think like I don't, you know, I, we have a privacy policy. Like I don't, um, I don't try to dig too deep into anyone's uh, personal life at all with the platform. I think that that's important. So I don't always know exactly who everyone is. I just know that they're legally allowed to be there, right? That's important, but that's all about all I know. So I've just envisioned myself like this person might be, yeah, like seeing this for the very first time. They don't have any of these instruments. They don't have the right sticks. They don't have any of this stuff, but they're still here. And they're here and they're asking questions and they're engaged and they're involved. And for me, that's just like unbelievably beautiful. So as much as I chortle, I also am grateful. Like it's, it's mixed. Very cool. Yeah. So Casey's question made me think about, I, I, this is a little bit more serious. I love the trend of so much content available um, either for free or in paid subscriptions online because there are people like you're talking about access, like so many more people have access to more information than say even five years ago, certainly before the pandemic or like think back 20 years. Um, but one thing that I think about sometimes, do you, do you worry or do you wonder about your content or some of this, you know, the other content online becoming like the gospel, like that, you know, like, like Casey's asking about, like, are there students out there that are like, well, well, James said this and, you know, I guess, how do you, how do you approach that challenge of, of continuing to have students be creative and think, you know, outside the box and do their own problem solving. So the worst case scenario for that, for me, is that a student um, falls into the hands of a teacher who just is too busy and is not 
um, passionate anymore about the art form and that that student is studying with that teacher every single week in maybe a rural area and that's all they know. And now they go out to be a professional after working as hard as they possibly could for years with this individual and they get out there and they realize I am not prepared. I am not ready for this environment. Um, and so of, yes, I'm very concerned with that. I'm very, very concerned with that. And that's a huge reason why it's such a crowdsourced collaborative team effort. I am trying to break down those walls really aggressively. I'm really trying to make sure that you have many, many, many different opinions about the exact same piece of music. Um, because I think that that's super valuable. No one has ever, ever advised me when I'm getting ready to perform an orchestra concert to listen to one orchestra and then put my headphones away. You know, you listen to dozens of recordings and you get ultra prepared because you might just get inspired by what someone did 60 years ago on the other side of the world from you. You know, that's a, a huge aspect of what we do as artists is about making sure that we have a lot of different um, perspectives. And so that perspective, that global perspective is really what we're offering, um, I think helps to fight back against that exact issue that you're talking about. Cool. Hey, while we kind of move to the, to the end here, um, what's kind of like your overarching goal of where you want this thing to be like maybe in the next five years, because it's, it's starting to kind of, you know, snowball in a good way. Uh, yeah. I mean, five years to me is a really long time. Um, like an unbelievable amount of time. <laughs> it's very difficult for me to understand even what could be possible in five years, just with how quick technology is moving. Um, but we talked about holograms before, like I would love to see this move into the VR space. Um, we have an app in the works, which is exciting for like one part of our platform um, for our practice tracks, which is very, very cool. So that will also be included. You'll have a free, we're trying to work that part out. How do you get a membership on the website with a free download in the app store? But Netflix figured it out, so we can too. Um, so we're, we're working on all of those types of things, but I would love to see this just become um, ubiquitous. Like anyone who wants it can have access to it and everyone's heard about it and can then make their decision. So I would say five years from now, my goal, like my vision for this would to be able to say that we created a lot more career pathways for percussionists that many, many, many more people logged onto our site, got into what we were dishing out and it turned out really well for them. That's, uh, that's my goal is just to create more percussionists. Totally. It's, as I said, um, at the very top of the class, uh, or <laughs> it's not a class. Sorry, that's my platform. Not a class, really. Um, at the top of the podcast, at the top of this discussion, I'm just super honored to be here. Um, I I have been a fan of all of you guys for a long time and seeing what you're up to. And uh, it was a big inspiration to me. Like, well, if they can put out 300 plus episodes of things, like there's no reason why we can't do 50 classes, right? Um, so, I mean, people thought I was kind of crazy to, to, to do that many classes, but you guys did it first, you know? So you've been a huge inspiration. Um, Casey, I've been following your stuff particularly for a long time. I've got white knuckle stroll back there. I've got 
E minor. I've got, I mean, a ton of stuff. I played Plato's Cave. Uh, I'm, I'm just super into it. I, I've been really into what you're putting out for a long time. And I think what you guys are doing is incredible for the community. I think you should keep doing it, never stop doing it, build upon doing it. And I'm really grateful to be a small part of it today. Man, thanks a ton. I feel inspired. I'm holy hell. I'm ready to go. You want to do another? You're episode? ready to edit. You can edit tonight if you want. To. <laughs> yeah, let's just go edit. Whoever right we now. interviewed, we haven't interviewed Carly. Your episode starts now. We're just gonna, we're just gonna go around, <laughs> just go around the room. <laughs> yeah, around the room. Oh, <laughs> uh, cool. Thanks again, Josh. Um, yeah, and we'll we'll catch everybody else next time on three twenty three, probably season four by that point. So, see ya. <laughs>